Hey, Merry Christmas to you. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. It is good to have you. Uh, kids, I think you got like a coloring page or something, so you have something to do also. Um, but I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas, and I don't know where you're at. Uh, for me, I've been in ministry for a while now where we've done big old productions and all this crazy stuff during the Christmas season where often I'm just ready for Christmas to be over. Maybe you carry some of that where you just can't wait for it to be over. Maybe Christmas comes with a lot of uh, stress and grief because there's someone that you would normally celebrate with that is not with you now. Uh, But maybe you're a kid and you're really excited. Tomorrow you wake up, you're going to run down to the Christmas tree, you're going to start opening presents, all this excitement. Wherever you're at today, I think what we really need to understand, because so quickly we can take it for granted, as Christians, this season is a reminder, a recognition, a, a, a celebration of this fact, that God came to this earth for us. No other religion recognizes that. Other religions, they look at it as, here's a set of rules that you have to abide by and achieve, and maybe you can earn your way to heaven. Christianity says you cannot earn your way to heaven, but heaven comes down to earth. This is a season where we shouldn't take it for granted, but recognize really what this season represents, what it means, the value of it. So today we're going to unpack a section of scripture, and uh, last week we were in the same scripture, Isaiah. Isaiah's in the Old Testament, uh, and Isaiah is like over 700 years before the Christmas story, but he shares about it. God speaks through Isaiah. He's a prophet. He prophesies. He shares about a future that's coming, and he shares the Christmas story. Last week we kind of unpacked the Prince of Peace, this recognition of who Jesus is, but before that... In verse two is what I want to read to you. Just one verse. We're going to look at one verse today. Chapter nine, Isaiah, verse two. And it says this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Here's what I love. Isaiah sets it up. He starts it and he starts with darkness. There's this despair that we should understand and recognize that Isaiah, for many of us, we, we look at Christmas as a season where you, you get sweater vests for everyone, it's matching, you get hot cocoa, you schedule the photographer, you take the photos, you have a little fireplace, you have the Christmas tree, the Christmas lights, you have the gaudy colors that should never go together, but somehow during Christmas we throw them all together, it's crazy, it's chaotic, you plan all this happiness and all this joy, and Isaiah starts the Christmas story out, he shares, this is the Christmas story, and he says, it's darkness and despair. This is how he starts the story. For many of us, if we just go through life for a little while, we understand this part. It's it's a struggle. Life is difficult. Life comes with a lot of weight and a lot of uh, uh, stress to it. We're always hoping for something, but we're often left with nothing. It's hope for maybe a job and recognition, a promotion, something that will finally satisfy. But here's the truth. That job will replace you one day and you will be forgotten very quickly. You, you look for it in other places. You, you, you try to find it in the mirror. You look at your looks. Maybe if I look good enough, maybe if I, my head of hair, it's going to look good. But over time, that head starts to thin out and it ain't looking too good no more. You can't trust that. It, 
it's in, it's in another person. You try to find that spouse, that significant other. Maybe they'll provide fulfillment and meaning to your life. But man, you get in that first argument and you start to discover sometimes, I don't really always like that person that I say I love and it comes with a lot of stress. Also, it's in the bank account. Maybe finally, if I just have enough money in this thing, then I can have what I want when I want it and I'll be happy. But you discover that still doesn't satisfy This is the truth for all of us. And this is how Isaiah starts. And this is what I love because for many of us, maybe today you were brought to church because a family member invited you and you're like, I have to once a year, so I guess I'll go. But you don't really want to be here. And you have this idea of what Christians are. Christians often are like the modern, real version of Ned Flanders with a sweater vest. And he's like, howdy, neighbor. And it's like, tidings of wonder and joy. And you're like, dude, you're so fake. This is not real. It's a hypocrite. It's a lie. Like, all this. But here's how Isaiah starts. Isaiah goes, hey, here's the Christmas story. Darkness. Despair. Ruin. This is, this is what he, he opens us to in the first text. And we, we understand that if we're honest. Like, man, wars and rumors of wars and fighting and division and abuse and adultery and, 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 and shootings and all this stuff. It's just bad. It's a, a lot of bad things going on. It's a lot of darkness happening. And, and that's the, the tension between how often we try to look at Christmas and the reality of what the Bible says about Christmas even. Because how the Bible shares, in Revelation, it shares the Christmas story also. And it says there's this woman that's pregnant about to be in labor, the labor pains. And there's then this red dragon. And there's this like fight that happens. And the, the baby will be the like ruler of all nations. But there's this fight that happens in heaven and this war. And, and, and even in the story of Jesus coming to this earth is a story of King Herod finding out that there is this king of all kings that is born. So then he has hundreds, thousands of baby boys murdered because he wants to get rid of this possible king that will take his throne. It doesn't start with happiness and joy and all this it starts with a lot of tension a lot of darkness a lot of despair for us we can kind of maybe understand that this is the christmas story kids this is this is the christmas story darkness and despair if you have questions ask your parents later good luck (laughs) but this is how christmas starts in isaiah isaiah is the first to share prophesy about this christmas story as a prophet and he shares this story and he says The people walk in darkness. But it doesn't end there. See, what he says is, and a light shines. And here's the truth. You don't need a candle in a room that's full of sunshine. The candle shines the brightest in this darkness. And Isaiah shares this story of man, everyone, we're we're walking in darkness. It's despair, it's a struggle, it's tension, it's difficulty. But this light shines, this hope. And he shares this hope. And he begins to unpack this. That we would see. A light will shine. And he says, there's a light that shines in the darkness of your life. For you today, maybe, you carry a lot of weight, a lot of regret, a, a lot of what we would call sin that you're ashamed of. And the greatest news of this text even is that in the midst of all that darkness, there's this light that shines. There's this hope for all of us. And there's a hope for a better future for all of us because of this news. But here's the thing, there's two kinds of people when it comes to hope. There's those that have hope and those that don't. 
You know those people, those negative, I'm sometimes that person. I, I can always find the wrong in something. I can always be the skeptic in something, and, and we can walk around without any hope. There's this famous story I came across. It's a, a lady went to the doctor. She felt a little ill. She wasn't sure. Something's wrong, but it's not a big deal. It didn't seem like that severe, but maybe some antibiotics. Maybe something will fix it. So let's go to the doctor. She goes to the doctor. She goes through some tests. They go through some things. And then a few hours later, she's sitting in the doctor's office waiting for the doctor to show up to share the results. He sits down and he tells her, man, it's pretty bad. And he, he tells her, even with chemo and the other things, you have a few years at best. She walks out of the office like shocked as anyone would be. This was not what she expected. And for the next weeks and months, man, that grief and that stress and that this loss of hope, like I, I thought it was something very simple and now it's life altering and that won't last for long and the stress of that as she lives her life for the next weeks and months. And over the course of that time, man, she starts deteriorating quickly. You can start seeing it in the mirror. It's, it's bad. It's rough. And then she gets a phone call from the doctor's office, and they ask her to come back in. She's like, I don't know what this is, but whatever. And she goes in, and they're shocked at her state at this point and how she looks. And the doctor sits down with her, and he, he shares with her, we are so sorry, but somehow we mixed up the paperwork, and that that illness that we said you had, you, you don't have. And they were shocked because they're like, but man, something's wrong. Like you, you clearly are unhealthy. So then they started doing studies and research and trying to figure out what, what's wrong with her that caused her to just fall apart so quickly in her health because what we said she had, she didn't have. And what they discovered, and this is where we have ideas of like the placebo pill and these different things, that your mind plays so much power in your life that actually what happened is as she began to believe she only has a few years at best, she began to deteriorate quickly because of her own thinking of just the loss of hope in her own life. And that has such an impact in your own physical life as well. There's this movie, uh, maybe you watched it in the 90s for us back then, it was awesome. And uh, Anthony Hopkins, great actor, right? And he, he's in this movie with some others and it's a movie uh, called The Edge. And what happens is the plane crashes, they're, they're stranded on this mountain, there's a bear, there's, uh, there's some like tension of like survival of the fittest where they're like, if I'm gonna go, I'm taking him first, we're gonna eat him or something like there's some sketchy stuff going on and, and they go dirty really quick, right? They go dark and all this and, and he gets to a point where he's sitting around the fire with some of the guys and he shares with them and he says, I read that uh, those who get lost die more quickly. And everyone's like, why? why? Why would they die any quicker than anyone else? And he says, because of shame. Like, how could I have gotten off track and gotten lost and now find myself where I am? And for, for many of us today, maybe, in the middle of this season, you're dying of shame and in your own thoughts and actions and your own hope that you have has faded so far away that you're left where you're at today with no hope. And the problem is this Christmas story, it's not just a small story about uh, a, a, a Jesus that comes as a baby in a manger. It's a story about God coming to this earth in flesh for a reason, because he loves you and cares for you, and he says you can and will have a better future when you put your faith in him. 
Like there is a hope that we have. And this season should be filled with hope. Not hope in a bank account or hope in what's under the Christmas tree, but a hope because Christ loves you so much. No matter what your past looks like, He redeems all. There's a, this famous um, scripture, maybe you've heard it before, you went to a wedding and they recited it because that's what they do every time. First Corinthians 13 says like, love is patient, love is kind, blah, blah, like all that stuff, right? Every basic woman has these signs in her home, like over the toilet, it's like, love is patient. And it's like, what? That's a weird spot to put it, but okay. And like, <laughs> at the end of all that, in that text, at the end, it finishes that chapter out and it says this. It says that these three things remain. Faith, hope, love. And as Christians, we have faith pretty good, right? We, we, we justification by faith and faith alone in Christ, not by your own actions, but by faith in him who did all the work. Uh, love, love one another, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Without love, you have nothing. Like we get those. As Christians, the problem is for many of us, hope is gone. We live with no hope at all. But these three things remain. And for us, you receive what you expect. And I don't mean that as some prosperity gospel of like, if you, if you expect that Lamborghini, God's gonna provide it. No, God doesn't care about a Lamborghini. That's not why he came. He came for something far greater than that. But, but what you receive, what you, what you expect, there's this story, a famous story, maybe you've heard this one where Jesus is talking and all of a sudden a crowd just swarms him. He's in a home and he's talking with some guys, but then just more and more people show up. There's people outside the window like listening in. There's people standing in the garden like in front. The wife of the home is probably very angry at this point, but there's a crowd there and, and, and Jesus is speaking and people are amazed. And then there's a story of like three guys that just, they, they have a lot of hope and they have a friend that's crippled and, and he's been crippled for a long time now and they have some hope and they gather this plan and they say, let's take our friend to go see Jesus because that Jesus, we're told he can heal people. And they get their friend there, but man, the crowd is so packed, they can't get their friend in to meet Jesus. They're so far away, they can just barely hear a distant voice, but then they come up with another plan. And they go up on the roof of that house. And I just love this visual. Just imagine this right now. You drive by and you see a crew of guys up on a house with a crippled guy right there laying next to them and they start just ripping off the shingles of that house. And they start, that plywood, they're ripping it, right? They're making noise. Jesus is talking, but all of a sudden everyone's like, what is happening? All of a sudden light shines down into that house and then they lower their friend down right in front of Jesus. Why? Because they had a hope that Jesus could heal their friend. And here's the thing, when you believe and you have hope in something, if you have hope that your marriage will work and that you'll make it work, here's the thing, you'll begin to do the work to make it work. You'll have hope in that. If you have hope that your, your faith that feels very stagnant right now, that you feel like you're just going through the motions and you're like, is this what Christianity is? Is this what following Jesus is? And you just feel so stagnant and dry. If you have hope that your walk with Christ can continue to grow year after year, day after day, then you will do the work to make that happen. And that God continues to provide that. And when you put hope in things, you start to put an action plan, if you will. You start to live on that. Here's the thing, the Christmas story. It's not just a story about a manger and some wise guys. 
it's a story about God coming to this earth in such a humble way for you and for me. And here's why. And you have to understand this because maybe you look at the status of society and you can put yourself up against those others in that society and say, you're a pretty good person. You're pretty good. I mean, look at some of the guys around you. You're, you're better than them, so you're pretty good. But here's the truth of the matter. For all have sinned. I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And we might not always want to expect that or think that or we can look around and go, I'm a pretty good person. But in the, in the picture of God is holy and perfect and you are not. And you have chosen your own way. You have chosen your own actions. You have chosen to be your own God half of the time of your life instead of choosing God to lead your way. You have chosen your own abilities, your own understanding, all these different things you have chosen. And that goes directly against a holy and perfect God. You're a sinner in need of a savior. But here's where you put your hope in. That for God so loved you that he would come to this earth in human form facing the sin and the punishment of this world, he would pay the ransom that you could never pay on your own. He would be the sacrifice that you could never be. And when you place your hope in him, you are saved and redeemed. You are made new. What we say here is you belong in Christ. What that means is it is no longer me who lives, my identity, my ability. It is Christ who lives through me. When you place your hope in him, right now, maybe today is the day, a Christmas Eve, the, the end of a year, the, the, the chaos of everything going on, you're worried about Christmas Eve and the dinner that you have planned or the next morning and the kids, they're going to wake up early, I don't get to sleep in, I was hoping to sleep in, whatever it might be. And just for a moment, maybe you lose sight of all that and you just recognize this fact. God loves you so much that he would make a way where you could never make that way on your own so that you could be reconciled and redeemed back into relationship with him. And when you place your hope in him, when you put your faith in him, what we say is it's not just a faith thing, not just a, a cognitive understanding, but then a following thing that you now say you are Lord of my life. He transforms your life. For some of you today, maybe today's the day where you make that decision. The best Christmas decision you could ever make is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Would you uh, close your eyes with me and just for a moment, for a moment, maybe today's the day for you that you've yet to make that decision and place your hope in him. And maybe today's the day where you will. For the rest of us, wherever you're at in your journey with Jesus, we all kind of repeat this prayer together. Would you repeat this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I place my faith in you that your grace and your mercy pays the debt of my sin. I put my faith in you and I follow you that you would be Lord of my life. And this is sealed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, I really hope this message was uh, encouraging to you today. That's right, my wife and I are so honored that you joined us in this way. 
And we'd love to encourage you. Uh, it, one, if you'd like to connect with us more, uh, if you live locally, and uh, we'd love to have you visit us in person. If you'd like to join us in the mission here and uh, partner with us, uh, we'd love for you to receive all of that and even other messages. And you can find all that at this resource right here. Thank you so much for joining us.